If you're an attorney that struggles with getting home in time for dinner or taking a vacation without your cell phone and your laptop attached to your hip, or maybe you just can't figure out why you don't make more money based on your education level and the service that you give to your clients. Maybe you're an attorney who wonders, why can't my law firm operate without my constant presence? Or finally, maybe you're thinking to yourself, I wonder if I can ever retire from my firm. Maybe I'm going to have to work right to my dying day, like so many other attorneys before me have done. Well, hi, my name is Richard James, and I created EA Nation so that you could learn how to build a law firm that supports your lifestyle as compared to undermining your lifestyle. EA Nation stands for Entrepreneurial Attorney Nation, and we join together with other like-minded entrepreneurial attorneys to unpack the secrets to how to do just that. And I want to help you build your law firm better one system at a time. So without further ado, let's get started with this next episode. Today, we're going to be talking about the small law firm accounting system and why it's so vital to ensure that you're generating the proper amount of uh, profit and cash inside of your small law firm and how that allows you to, uh, having the proper setup allows you to minimize expenses or create flexible expenses while maximizing your profitability. As we know, Additional profitability not only helps you as the owner be able to achieve your own personal dreams and financial goals, but it also allows you to be able to help more clients, which is one of the primary aims that we have, uh, we're all about around here. We believe that you as attorneys do God's work and that in order for you to be able to do more of that work, you need to be able to be profitable. If you're not profitable, you're limited as to how many people you can actually help. Uh, and so there's a lot of different facets that comes down to making a profitable law firm, but at the core foundation of it is having the proper financial accounting system in place and all of the pieces that it touched. So today we're going to be having a conversation with Annette Sonnenberg from Sonnenberg Consulting. She does all of our bookkeeping services. Uh, they've been a joy to work with. They're one of our key sponsors. And I invited her on because I thought this was a very timely conversation as we're wrapping up you know, any extensions that would have been filed for 2020 coming into the final quarter of 2021 and whatever tax planning has to be done as we're moving in to look towards 2022. So uh, while this isn't going to be tax advice necessarily, this is going to be real practical common sense conversations about what you should be doing as a small business owner, uh, let alone the owner of a small law firm. Uh, that you should be, uh, the action steps you should be taking to set yourself up for success. So if my team can go ahead and spotlight uh, Annette and a spotlight me, that would be great. Annette, are you with me? I'm here. How are you? I'm really good. How are you? Thank you for sharing some time with us today. I know that it's not your busiest time of year, but I assume you're pretty busy all, all year long, aren't you? Yeah, we are. That's good. Because, and the reason why you're busy all year long is because of the things that we talk about today. You've trained your clients to be really good at this so that they utilize your services in a way that sets them up for success. We're gonna talk all about that, but before we do, tell me a little bit about yourself. Uh, 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 how did you get involved in the bookkeeping business? Yeah, so my background is actually, I have a really interesting mix of uh, prior experience because I was a paralegal for a business attorney and um, I used to run securities firms. Uh, I had six securities licenses and so I have this whole securities background, the business attorney background um, and you know in working with with different businesses I sort of got into the CFO life. Um, I ended up advising quite a few different types of businesses as a CFO. <clears throat> and I apologize if I keep clearing my throat. I'm coming down with something. No, um, not, co not COVID, right? It's, okay. It better not be. I've already better, had COVID. It better not be. That's right. Better and not. the vaccine. Yeah, um, okay. So, yeah. But I, so I kind of got into the accounting world and I just found that my love was to help businesses, to help them succeed, to help them grow. So um, that's just where I've ended up. And now, you know, my firm has grown. We have five other bookkeepers and um, it's going really well. Yeah. So um, what was it about 
you know, as you went through these different types of business, did you notice the different businesses all making similar mistakes in what they could be doing differently to improve their business? Is that accurate statement? Yes, I have found that business owners typically tend to make a lot of the same mistakes. They yeah. they have, you know, I think there's just a lot of things that, look, I mean, you're not supposed to know everything about accounting, right? I mean, you can't right. know everything about running your business. You have to pull in experts wherever you can to get yeah. information for to make those decisions. So tell me, what part of the world are you in? I'm in South Jordan, Utah. In Utah. And what, what's family look like for you? Married, kids? I'm married. We have seven kids. We are seven a blended kids. family. Nice. Um, we have four grandkids. And at Disneyland last week, we had an announcement that two more are coming in June from oh different God. moms. So, yeah, we're about to have six grandkids. Yeah. Uh, you don't look like you're old enough to have four grandkids. So congratulations uh, for either having grandkids young uh, or, or holding your appearance through the age that you might be that I'm not going to ask your age uh, that has grandkids. So, uh um, that's cool. So it, having this ability to be able to be remote, were, were you working remote with businesses long before COVID and, you know, working with businesses across the country or did COVID really kick off this remote working environment with bookkeepers for you? We've always been able to work remotely. I mean, accounting is just one of those services where, you know, especially I, I love Zoom. I really do. I think that if anything, COVID made more people, you know, comfortable with using Zoom. And so that has made it even easier to work remotely whenever we would need to work with clients. But we've always done the work online. It's, um, it's just easy to do that from anywhere. And so we've always had clients all across the country. Got it. Yeah. And so I, you know, I've always found that to be true as well. Although one of the things that I find when I work with attorneys is that when I tell them to go get a bookkeeper, they often try to find somebody local, whether it's because we were raised in this old school world and they want to get kneecap to kneecap with their bookkeeper. It's just not necessary anymore. Uh, and that's not a pitch for you as much as just to free up your mind about, you know, this remote world uh, that we live in, uh, this globalization have has certainly has its downsides, but it, it has its positives. And one of them is that you get to be able to find incre incredibly talented people that don't have to work in your community uh, for to be able to work with you. Uh, some of the comments that we're hearing here on the side, Joe said that, you know, law school teaches you how to think like a lawyer, not an accountant. Sure. Uh, and they certainly don't teach you how to think like a business owner. And today, what we want to talk about with Annette is, is less about how to be an accountant and more about how to be a superstar business owner. So, so let's get into it. I've got some slides. So we'll just go through it. It'll kind of walk us through uh, one step at a time here. And, and this will help us to be able to see what I'm talking about. So before we start breaking it into the list, Annette, do me a favor. Let's talk about, I know there's superstar clients for you, like for you, from your perspective, what makes them a great client, but let's talk about superstar clients for them. Like what makes, what, what, why do you consider them super, a superstar? Is it because their firm tends to be, or their company tends to be profitable and organized and structured and cash flow rich and ready to go to pay their bills? Or is it because they just, you know, do what you say to do when you say to do it? Like, what is it that makes them a superstar to you? Well, so success is a factor, right? I mean, how well they're doing what they're doing, being organized and all of that. But I, I think that, you know, I have seen firms come my way that have a lot of money coming in, but they're, they're a wreck. <laughs> and they can't grow because it's chaos every day. Yeah. And so success is not the main thing that I'm looking at. I'm looking at, do they have the ability to grow? Do they have the ability to make timely decisions that are going to help their business? Because they have so many choke points going on. Um, and, and when you look at their financial situation, the messiness that you see is just indicative of how messy everything else is that leads to the financial situation as well. Is that, you agree with that? Yeah, I do. Yeah. So, so a messy financial situation, you know, um, the way that you do some things is the way that you do all things, folks. And so around here at Entrepreneurial Attorney Nation, I get it that we're above the fold. We tend to, 
We tend to operate at a higher level than everybody else. Um, uh, you know, if you're here, it means you want to get better. Um, but it's still good to remember the way we do some things is the way we do all things. And if, it are, if our accounting system is out of whack, it's usually indicative that there are many other things that are out of whack. So this is coming from the perspective of a superstar client that they've got their ducks in a row, right? They, they not only know their numbers, but they have a system for this structure, which means they probably have a system for all the other structures in their practice as well. So let's break into it. We'll talk about the first one and then we'll, we'll, we'll unpack it a little bit. If you have questions, by all means, go ahead and put it into the chat. Uh, if you just showed up, it looks like we've had a couple of new people come on. If you've just showed up, again, we're having a conversation with Annette Sonnenberg about creating the, the small law firm accounting system. Uh, and really, it's a timely conversation because we're going to be talking about end of year planning. We're going to be talking about what you need to do your set, to set yourself up for a successful 2023 and even a successful fourth quarter or finishing fourth quarter of 2021. I said 2023. I mean 2022. I'm already jumping my ears. That's part and parcel effect that I'm already signing 2023 contracts. Uh, other people have a problem of putting the same date they're in the next year. I have a problem of writing two dates, two years in the future, because I'm always signing two years in advance contracts. Anyway, all right. So the first thing we're going to talk about is streamlined and customized system that integrates third-party software if possible. So a streamlined and customized system that integrates third-party software if possible. So Annette, let's talk about this. So streamlined and customized. So let's talk about the, the system or software that you would really hope that all of your clients use. What's the kind of go-to software you want them to use? I would say QuickBooks Online. Um, I also like QuickBooks Desktop. I can't even say it. QuickBooks Online <laughs> is um, it's better at syncing data. It's, it is superior for that reason. And QuickBooks Online also integrates with more third-party apps. And especially where I know a lot of attorneys are using these third-party applications, they can really streamline their whole process by integrating that. But you have to be really careful about that because it can also mess up your file. I have seen where it has caused problems in files if it's not done correctly. Yeah, I, I, I've seen that too. So... Uh, you can easily uh, end up with uh, double entries uh, or duplicate entries and other things that can happen if you don't have somebody watching what's going on. So if you're using a third-party software integration through QuickBooks Online, it's nice to have an expert set of eyes on it to make sure that things are being imported and integrated correctly. Uh, I agree with you. QuickBooks Online is the way that I go uh, because while QuickBooks Desktop does a fine job, most small business owners don't um, don't do, they don't send the file back and forth or seamlessly update the file with their accountant often enough to have real-time data. And what I, what I really want is I, I want as a small business owner, you know, weekly data. I want to be able to pull up my, my, uh, profit and loss on a Tuesday or Wednesday and be able to take a look at how I'm doing on the month and how we're running as compared to the previous month, whether it be an expense, uh, an income or a profitability perspective. And so, um, I oftentimes have dis discussions with clients and I'll say, well, how do we close out the month? And it'll be, you know, the first or second week into the next month. And their answer to me is, you know, I don't know. I haven't received the report from my accountant yet. And, and personally, I, I think that, um, like, I don't think that it should be that way. I think the small business owner should be technically savvy enough to at least be able to go onto QuickBooks and run a report that's updated. Do you agree with that? I do. And, you know, so where we're concerned, we update a file as often as a client wants us to do it. Um, not everybody is asking us to update it weekly, yeah. but that, that's the most beneficial thing to do. I mean, for you to be able to jump in there, quite often we will have a request for, you know, my lender wants this, my landlord wants this. I mean, whatever their situation is, sometimes you just need those financials on the fly. And the only way you're going to have it is if you're updating them regularly. And sometimes waiting, you know, to have it that first or second week of the next month is just not, it's, it's just too much time has passed. So in your bullet point, you said customize. Is there anything about the system you want customized? When you say that, what do you mean? Is there anything particular you want to be customized for that particular business? 
Yeah, so one of the one of the things I think of in that regard would be um, if you have different, you know, revenue streams or different types of business. Maybe you want to track, you know, real estate versus bankruptcy versus you know, because you haven't you don't know which way you want to go. Right. I mean, you can customize your books to readily provide that information. And a lot of people don't know that or they just haven't taken the time to do that. Yeah, so they can use things like class distinction uh, or for expenses and or they can they can and for income and they can run a PL based on a class. So if they want it to say, hey, I want to see the PL just for the uh, PI practice or just for the bankruptcy practice or just for the, it doesn't matter, fill in the blank practice, you can actually run a PL by practice area. And you can actually allocate certain percentages of overhead to the different practice areas based on percentage of gross revenues or size of team that it takes up in the office or whatever. Uh, and then you can go ahead and have that allocated with every time the expense goes out accordingly with journal entries by the help of your bookkeeping team. And then you can actually run a PL based on your practice area so that you know, because I have clients who have started other practice areas and you know, their top side number grew, but their bottom side number stayed the same or shrunk. And so I, I always believe, you know, top side revenue is for vanity, bottom side number is for sanity, right? And so for me, it's, it's all about getting it right. So customizing it is so important. Utilizing a bookkeeper who understands how to build class allocation and identifying, uh, be able to run profitability at different areas is, is really important, especially when you're running multiple practice areas. All right, let's talk about this next bullet item here. It's monthly meetings. So um, this is monthly meetings that they schedule with you, the bookkeeper or their and or their tax professional to ensure that their ducks are in a row. So they're, they're reviewing the numbers, they're paying attention to it. Somebody's, an expert's laying an eye on things so that when something changes, uh, there's a, a, a car payment that comes all, show, all of a sudden shows up. Well, what is that about? Did it meet you know, certain classifications that we can actually take to a deduction? Are we gonna be able to accelerate the, uh, the, you know, the depreciation or what, whatever? It, it allows us to be able to, it allows you to be able to help them best if you have regular monthly meetings with them. Is that accurate? Yeah, we can stay on top of any changes that are happening. And often, uh, I just had a situation recently where I had been providing the financial statements, but they weren't meeting with me to talk about them because they knew how to read them, right? Mm -hmm. Well, it turns out that someone in the company was taking loans out and they were on the books, but they weren't reading the financial statements to see the loan on the books. <laughs> and so that's the kind of thing where an accountant can point that out and say, hey, did you notice that this guy took $100,000 out of the business? Was that approved? you know, or even just going through it line by line, just to make sure everybody knows exactly what's going on. Yeah. And how many times um, I've had clients say to me, you know, I had somebody stealing from me in my company and I didn't catch it until it was too late and they'd stolen 50, 100, 200, $300,000. I've heard all sorts of horror stories. And I would tell you that in some cases they may, maybe depending on the practice area, may have been able to do it without anybody knowing uh, but it's often a good quality bookkeeper could identify where there's a problem and could start asking the right questions as to, hey, I noticed that revenue is going up, but profitability is going down. Um, is there, you know, and I, I noticed that cash deposits aren't as big as they once were. Whatever the questions might be, that, that it's great to have that person to bounce those off you. But if you don't schedule those meetings with your professional advisor and, and the people who are actually doing this with you, it's just hard to get that done. So uh, right. I, again, I'm a huge proponent of regular meetings. I just had a meeting with Madison on Annette's team the other day for the same reason. I hold meetings every week in my company on my PL um, with either me and or Maria. And at the end of the every, every month, I send summaries. Uh, and so it's just really important to have meetings scheduled uh, with your professional team so they can help identify it and keep you on track. The next is proactive communicator. So this is a big one. Uh, this proactive communicator, what I mean by this, I've summarized kind of your bullet points that when changes happen in a business, uh, they take out a loan, be it PPP, EIDL, whatever it is, or they just go get an SBA loan, or they 
buy a vehicle or buy a building or you know fill in the blank right they do something if they don't communicate with that with you um it it doesn't allow you to help them but superstar clients actually proactively communicate with you don't they yeah so one of the things that i have found to be really helpful for all my business owners is is you know when they call you know it's the people who reach out to me ahead of time People who call ahead of time and they say, should I lease the car or buy the car? You know, should I, you know, how should I treat this rental? You know, I'm renting out part of my office, you know, whatever it is, reach out and ask questions first, you right. know, because after the fact, sometimes it's just too late the way you did it, or then you'll have to redo it. Yeah. Well, and so you're the, not every bookkeeping service uh, or even accounting service understands all of these different facets, but with your diverse background and and having seen multiple different businesses in you know uh, in different industries um you see all sorts of things by small that small business owners do but like you said they all make the same mistakes right they lease when they should have bought or they bought when they should have leased and they bought the building when they should have leased the building or whatever and and or they they could have bought a car that they could have accelerated depreciation because of the current laws and they didn't realize they could do that, but they never stopped and asked you. And then four months goes by and it comes time for tax season and we have a conversation and they're going, well, why didn't you tell me that? And you're like, well, I had no idea you even did it, right? Um, so proactive communication is what a superstar client does of a bookkeeper. And so uh, again, th this is all, this is more about us as the business owners than it is about the bookkeeper. This is what we do to be superstars. Again, you can pretty much draw direct comparisons to these first three bullets to absolutely any other system in your practice. Again, if you're here for the first time, uh, just getting here, uh, whether you're a guest or you're a member, we're, we're having a conversation about the ultimate small law firm accounting system and how it sets you up for success. And we're going to get into end of year planning. We're on with Annette Sonnenberg from Sonnenberg Consulting. And she's kind of giving us some guidance about the top 10 things that her superstar clients do. Superstar being not only successful, but they have their stuff together. They're organized, they're structured. They have systems that run their businesses or their law firms and people that run their systems. So Richard, uh, another thing I'm not communicating... Yeah, you'd be surprised how often we don't learn about a new credit card or a new bank account for months. And here we've been providing financial reports that mean nothing because we don't have everything on there. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, basically anything that money touches, you want them to, them to let you know about, right? Whatever it is, just like just notify you that something else has happened. And you could then say, okay, I need these three things from you to make that work into your system, right? I, it, did you give me access to it on your bank account? Did, do I have view access if you're giving me, if you're giving me the ability to, uh, to see what's actually happening? Which, you know, I, I think is another big point. By the way, one of the ways I proactively communicate is like I permission Annette's team to actually see all of the financial stuff that goes on in our business. So they, they can run reports out of, I, I use two primary credit cards, American Express and Capital One. Um, they can run reports out of Bank of America. They can draw the information over because it seamlessly integrates with QuickBooks, but they can still log in and access the information that they need to be able to you know, identify, ask questions when needed. And so my my books are literally updated every week and I have to be a little bit less proactive in communicating because I've disciplined myself to ensure I just run in those three veins. Like I stay in American Express, I stay in Capital One and I stay in Bank of America. By the way, Annette, that might be changing, but I will let you know, I'll be a proactive communicator. And loan accounts are a big one too. I think people always forget to tell us about the loans. About the loans. Yeah, well, of course. Why would the bookkeeper need to know about a new loan on the books? Uh, uh, okay, so profit first. I know this isn't yours, it's mine, but but I want to talk about it. Uh, I don't know if, how, how much you, you know, because I know you're not necessarily in that profit first, you know, uh, silo necessarily, but just around this idea that 
how how well do you see this working for your clients that actually have a profit account and they actually peel profit off and take the profit from the business first and then kind of expend the money on the expenses that are left? How how well do you see that working for folks? Um, I actually, and I have read the book, actually, um, I have seen it work really well. And in fact, I have non-attorney clients that are using it and it works really well for them. The people that it does not work well for are the people who set up their accounts and don't really do the transfers. Right. Like you really have to follow through or yeah. it's not going to work. Yeah. I mean, you guys see my transfers. You, you notice we transfer every day, right? Like every single day I do a transfer. Whenever money hits the bank, I'm transferring money into my profit first account. But let, let's let's can go further than that, right? So um, it's uh, proactive strategic savings for taxes and payroll, et cetera. So this is this is making sure the money's there when things happen. So talk to me about this. Why does super why does this help superstar clients so much being able to put away money? Um, for taxes, payroll, and other major expenses that they know they're going to have? How does that help them? Well, really, it comes down to planning and cash flow. Um, you, it never goes well when there's a surprise later. Right. So you really have to be on top of just setting it aside as it's coming in. Yep. I've had a lot of clients across the country, all different types of businesses, they come to me, a lot of them are just wasting money and then the money's not there when they when it's tax time. And so the ones that do really well are the ones where we can calculate, this is how much you wanna set aside and it's gone and you don't touch that money now. And when your estimated tax payments are coming up, we're gonna make sure those are done out of that account, you know, so everything's handled and then there are no surprises. Yeah, it's, it, you know, so at the end of this year, uh, or September, September 15th, I had to fund our 401k uh, and our profit share and our safe harbor and all that stuff that allows you to defer money into retirement-based accounts. And, and then I had a meeting with my accountant and we had this whole plan out and I had saved money accordingly uh, throughout the whole year in my tax account based on the percentages that we had laid out. And the money was there. And then all of a sudden, you know, the amount that she started saying with her mouth wasn't matching the amount that was in the account. And I said, whoa, whoa, whoa hang on a second here. You're not, you're speaking, you're off by X number of dollars. It didn't matter the amount, it was off. It was a big number, but it was off. And I, and I said, so tell me, how come you're saying this number and I'm saying this number? Now, the good news is she was using language not as actual cash flow numbers she was using language as liability number and that it was covered in some other way but i thought i heard her say oh you have to take this much money out of your bank account and actually pay it to uncle sam that's not what she was saying but what was really important was i was able to quickly identify that that something was off because we had created a plan at the end of the year and i built my plan throughout the course of the year so that when taxes were due, that they were there and ready to be paid. And so I paid my tax bill and the money was gone and done. And there was no like, there was no wondering where we were gonna get it from. There was no borrowing from Peter to pay Paul. I just paid the bill. Uh, every, on the, on the first and on the 16th, um, we have payroll comes out and there's a payroll account that's set up and the money is always there because on a daily basis, there is money put into the payroll account. Uh, there's money on a daily basis, there's money put into the tax account. And so to your point, uh, you know, uh, Annette, that when Mike talks about profit first and segregating out the different accounts and actually setting them up and funding them, the key to that is once you've set them up, you have to be disciplined enough to fund them and, and spend, have expenses for your company with what's left. And if you don't do that, what happens is your accounts won't be ready when you need to pay the bill. And that happens to a lot of people. So proactively, strategically setting up your, your accounts for your payroll, for your taxes, for your profit is vital, uh, but actually funding those accounts from the deposits that come into your business is where the real magic happens. All right, let's keep going. And I think part of the problem there is I what I hear um, from people who aren't doing it is 
you know, well, there's, there's no way to do that, <laughs> but they're, you know, they're sort of missing the point <laughs> that you, you need to do that first, you know? Yeah. Well, so the problem is, so, so practice, you know, what, what is the theory and what is the practice, right? So the theory is we're going to, if there's a hundred dollars comes in, we're going to put $10 or $15 in the profit account. We're going to put X number of dollars in the operations account. I mean, in the payroll account, we're going to put Y number of dollars in the taxes account. And then whatever's left, we're going to spend expenses on. But the practice is that most people hear this story while their business is already running. And many of them have de de created expenses that are upside down from their profitability, from their overhead. And so they don't have room in their profitability or their taxes to be able to do that. Now, there's a lot of reasons for that. That's where we come in, right? That you're, you're either, you either have that scenario because you have, your expenses are too high. So either you have too much overhead or you, uh, meaning labor, or you have, you're spending money in places you shouldn't be, uh, or your marketing's not performing well, or you're not pricing your services correctly, uh, you're not collecting the dollars you're supposed to collect when you actually invoice a client. Um, and remember, wealthy people are paid in advance, poor people are paid in arrears. I know for all you contingency attorneys out there, you're different, I get it. But, but for those that charge a fee, you need to be paid in advance, not in the arrears. Uh, and then uh, also that you're not converting through your perfect client lifecycle and converting your leads into clients at the highest, most efficient level. And so your company spends money on marketing that uh, it doesn't need to be spending on marketing because you're not converting uh, at the highest level. So there's lots of reasons why we don't have enough money uh, in the account. And, and that's what Partners Club and you know being an, an EA Nation is all about is figuring out what that thing is that's broken and fixing it so that we create more profit. And it, it, it's okay to start with a half a percent or a percent. The number one part is starting. So just get the account started. Even if you have to put a dollar in them at first, that's fine. It doesn't matter what percentage you start with. The percentage will grow as you start to get these other things in your business aligned so that you can create additional profit. And because the universe abhors a vacuum. If you don't precisely tell the universe where to put the money, the profit of your business, what will happen is it will create a situation that that profit gets used up and you will find a way to let it slip through the cracks and you'll come to the end of the year and you'll realize, I don't have enough money put away for savings for my taxes. I don't have any real profit left to talk about. And, and every week or every twice a month or however you pay your staff, I'm sweating about payroll. And, and that, that's, those are the realities. And those realities happen uh, because of many broken bridges inside of a business. And so if you can't do it, it's more telling for you uh, about that you need to go find out what's broken uh, than it is, you know, what I'm trying to say, it's a good thing, not a bad thing that you can't do it. You can at least, you can fix it. What one firm can do, another firm can do. We, well, here's what we know. We know small law firms that are doing north of a million, north of $2 million that have profitability, total owner's benefit that's north of 35 to 40%. I want you to be somewhere between 25 and 30% to be considered healthy. We, we have lots of clients that are, that are north of 35, 40%. If they can do it, you can do it too. Their business is no different than yours. Um, okay, so let's keep going. Uh, the next thing we want to talk about is this uh, independent contractor management. So, um, you know, this whole idea that uh, it, it has two facets to it. This says, make sure we treat employees like employees and independent contractors like independent contractors and, and setting them up for success. What does that look like? Or what is the most common problem you find that non-superstars do? Or what is the most common thing you find superstars do that work really, really well to manage this process? So I think that the non-superstars, the biggest thing that I see would be people treating independent, con you know, employees as independent contractors. What they don't realize is if there's an audit and they should have treated those people like employees, it's all the payroll taxes plus penalties and interest since you did it. <laughs> so right. it's just not really the way you want to go. 
And you know, with, to determine that, it's it's those control factors that I'm sure so many, most of you have heard about. But it's look, if they're working for you full time, they're an employee. If you provide their computer and tell them what hours they have to work and all those control factors, they're an employee. You know, if if they, you know, work on a case, they're on their own stuff, they do it on their own time, they just have to have it done by their deadlines. You have an independent contractor agreement, you've gotten a W-9 from them, you know, all those things can point to independent contractor. Those are totally fine. Um, but not receiving W-9s is a big problem. We can't send 1099s out without the W-9s. And often there's a, there's a relationship that goes bad or people just can't be reached later. And then you're on the hook because it's, it's not just the $50 penalty for not filing a 1099. It can be that they disallow whatever you took as a deduction on that 1099 plus penalties and interest. Yeah. So, uh, you know, by the way, I, I'm not great at this. This is one of my weaknesses. It's my kryptonite. And so my workaround for it as a small business owner has been, I've been paying people through um, uh, other services. So in other words, they they set up a service through PayPal with an invoice and I pay them on a credit card and PayPal issues them their 1099 and all that other stuff that they deal with through them. And I'm putting it on a credit card. I'm not actually writing them a check. It's a quasi workaround. And it depends on which tax professional you talk about, whether they like that idea or not. Um, but really, anybody you like pay. That's fine. Uh, you honestly, if you're doing the credit card thing or PayPal, here's the, here's the thing about PayPal, though. If you're paying on PayPal and you're marking it as a friends and family transfer to avoid the fee, they're not going to send the 1099 and you're on the hook for it. Yeah, I don't. I won't let them do that. So um, they don't like it, but I that's I force all of my vendors to to do it the best I can to go through some version of uh, PayPal um, so that I don't or they charge my credit card so that they don't. So we don't actually have. We're not actually writing them a check. Um, uh, that's uh, that's. I'm just, I'm bad at it. And so your advice was really good, which is when you first get a new vendor that in, it, it's going to be a 1099 contractor that you're going to pay by a check. The first thing they should do is they should fill out the W-9. The second thing they should do, by the way, is they should fill out an independent contractor agreement. Uh, and depending on the type of contractor they are, uh, there's non-competes and non-disparagement clauses if you guys break up and things of that nature that should be included in that agreement uh, when you're dealing with 1099 contractors. So um, managing this correctly is one thing that superstars do. I think I think I get an eight out of 10 on this one. This is the area that I don't eat my own dog food the most, um, but I've figured out my own workarounds for it. Uh, and, and on those ones that I don't figure out the workarounds on, I usually end up taking it as income and, and, and taking on the chin on the deduction. Uh, so I avoid problems more often than not. Uh, okay, so let's talk about minimize penalties. So that's a big one. So when it comes to insurances and regulations and things of that nature, minimizing penalties. How do superstar clients minimize penalties or where do you see you know the opposite of that get the clients get penalized the most so typically you know we've talked about one of them it's with the payroll and independent contractor situation right um a lot of it it has to do with renewals not happening as they're supposed to um or accounts not being open <laughs> you know if you're not even registered properly and then down the road, they find out you're there and they send you a notice. Typically, there's going to be a lot of penalties and interest on whatever you were supposed to be filing. So yeah. that's so, typically where we see it. So making sure that you're, you have your ducks in a row when it comes to your insurances, your workers' comp, your business licenses, your registrations, everything that you need to ensure that whatever tax comes through. I mean, like when I was in Scranton, Pennsylvania, Believe it or not, we got taxed on the gross revenue, not profitability. Scranton had a gross revenue tax. 
And so if you weren't registered and you weren't paying that gross revenue tax and you didn't know about it or whatever, and you just showed up and did business in Scranton and didn't go through the process and someday you were audited, you would owe whatever that percentage was on the gross plus tax plus interest and penalties. So it, you know, depending on your municipality, that mistake can be very, very costly. And you can go years without realizing you didn't do it. And then before you know it, if you get audited, things are going to, you know, you're going to, you're just not going to be happy. Uh, so superstars make sure that they have their ducks in a row. So they minimize penalties. Um, yeah. And not- also managing, when you're managing money, uh, cash flow, you, you got to pay your payroll taxes first. <laughs> I mean, I see so much money go out the door for people who decide to pay something other than their payroll taxes first. Yeah. um, Thousands of dollars in penalties. It's one of the the fastest growing penalties if you don't pay it. Yeah. So see, that's always boggled my mind Um, because I was 25 years old when I bought my first real business. And so when I'm 26, I get my first like, you know, tax situation and I had a couple of employees and my accountant's like, oh, you've got to, you know, here's a bill for your quarterly payroll taxes. And I was shocked and wasn't prepared. And I'm like, what is this? And of course he told me what it was and what I owe. I'm like, well, I already paid him. He goes, well, no, now you got to pay Uncle Sam, right? That whatever, 13-ish percent. And so, uh, the moment I found that, the moment I said to him, well, how do I like avoid having to do this? Can't like this happen as I pay people? He's like, well, you got to use a payroll company. And I started to look at what it would cost to run a payroll company. And back then, I don't know, it was 50 bucks a month or something like that. And I was like, done. And I paid, I've been using a payroll company since 1996 to avoid, because I want them to take the taxes out, escrow the taxes when the payroll is taken. So they just pay the taxes. Like, this never made, like, I never understood why you wouldn't just have the taxes escrowed when you pay payroll every time so that you don't ever have to deal with this. I mean, do, do you find a lot of your clients or some of your clients or some new clients that you, you come across actually don't have their taxes taken out from the payroll company they work with and end up in a bind because they got to pay their payroll taxes and the 941s all on their own? You know, I think the problem is that, you know, the people who aren't using a payroll company are trying to use the payroll tax fund. <laughs> I mean, I don't, that's the only reason I can come up with that they wouldn't just use a payroll company and have those debited right away. Yeah. So, um, and I, I have a problem client right now who is doing that. He doesn't, it doesn't matter how many times I tell him you have to pay it. He's trying to manage that and you just gotta pay, it's gotta be the first thing that comes out. Yeah. It's just one of those items. You're going to pay the most penalties and interest on payroll. Yeah, I agree. Like, like as a small business owner, you will save yourself a world of hurt uh, if you just simply set it up with a payroll company. It is too inexpensive not to do it. And as you get bigger, there's some payroll companies that have tremendous services for larger you know, companies as they grow, help you manage HR and other things that you've got going on to help you avoid some of these penalties. And they're kind of included in their services or they charge you a nominal fee for continuing to use their payroll company. So uh, I'm not going to, you know, you have to decide which company you want to use, but there, there are plenty of companies out there to help you do that as you, as you grow uh, in this, as a small business to a, not a, you won't, not to a medium business necessarily, but you grow as to a larger small business. Uh, the next on the list is hire experts for advice without going rogue. Thought that was interesting. Um, what does going rogue mean to you? So I'm a big believer in having a dream team of advisors. Mm-hmm. Not everybody is going to have all your answers, right? Not no one person is going to have that. Correct. And so, but, but look, you're not doing yourself any favors if you go get these people and then you're not doing exactly what they're telling you you should do. I mean, it doesn't mean you can't get multiple opinions either, but that's the biggest problem I see when people do use these advisors, you know, they go rogue. They just kind of do their own thing. When, when someone's telling you, you need to be following the profit first, you know, situation and you're not doing it, you're not helping yourself, right? I mean, I've seen people pay all these thousands and thousands of dollars to consultants and attorneys and 
And, you know, third-party administrators are expensive. And, you know, if you don't have, if you're not going to do what they're telling you to do, and then you have this big surprise at the end of the year, you know, it, it's not going to do you any good. You need a team of advisors. You need to follow what they're saying. Yeah. And that's it. I mean, hire experts that give advice. And I think that this goes into this, um, you know, I think it was, I, I'll bring up the next two bullets. They're, they're kind of part and parcel of the same thing. Um, but but having paying for hiring experts is one thing, right? Building a dream team is something else. So we'll talk about that separately. Um, I think the experts can be on your dream team, but I think the dream team is the people who are really going to be uh, helping you get it done and advising you along the way. The experts are going to be, well, like Partners Club or me, that's going to be a guiding, a guider, a, a counselor, a consultant, uh, you know, the, the Mike McCallowiches of Profit First. They're going to be guiding you to do something that you should be doing. And yeah, if, if you've paid, you know, I remember I, remember I, I went to my first mastermind meeting uh, with Dan Kennedy years and years ago, and the group was... Um, I thought unusually harsh with me uh, because I, you know, I thought I was a big shot, but when I showed up there, I realized I was the really, really small fish in a bunch bigger pond. And I had brought my idea to my hot seat where you sit around at a table where everybody gives you advice on your idea. And I kind of got done with my presentation. I said, well, what do you think? And, and the one guy from the back of the room said, you know, I think I haven't heard an intelligent thing you said all day or whatever. And, and, and I'm like, oh my gosh. And then that led into the next wave of everybody telling me why I was out of my rocker that what I wanted to do couldn't happen. Uh, incidentally, what I wanted to do was build exactly what I've built today. Uh, it did happen, but they were right in many ways. But afterwards, uh, next morning I was having breakfast and Dan Kennedy came up to me and said, uh, he said, so they were kind of rough on you yesterday. I go, yeah. I go, I'm a big boy. I can take it. He goes, what are you going to do about it? I go, I just cut a $36,000 check to be in this room. I'm going to take their advice. And like I had 108 ideas that came from that first meeting. And by the end of the year, I had implemented almost all of those 108 ideas. And by the end of the, and end of the year, that mastermind group, they went from mocking me to voting me you know, mastermind member of the year, which was great. And it was a great honor. But really the point of that story was that if you're going to pay for advice, like you should do something with it, right? And so when you've got these experts telling you what to do, whether it be me or anybody else, uh, we, we're not, you know, Annette's seen this, these mistakes a thousand times. She's like telling you what to not do because it wants to help you save you from pain. When I see challenges in your law firm, I've seen, I've literally seen them a thousand times and I can, I can kind of help you get out of or avoid future problems, but you have to be willing to do it. And for me, I had to put my pride aside uh, and I had to just say, you know what, there's, they've got some great points. I'm going to try to do it their way. And, and it worked. So let's talk about end of year because we are coming up on that. I want to make sure the last two bullets I have was this end of year and dream team mentality. Um, the dream team mentality is hand in hand with higher experts, but I see it differently. Like I see, I put expert advisors and then like, you know, teams who are going to get it done for you differently. Like you're wonderfully wise, Annette, but like, I don't need to talk to you all the time. I need your team to get it done for me. Right. And so while I love your wisdom and I could talk to you about this stuff all the time, on a regular basis, I see your team as part of my team of being on my dream team to get this stuff done. Um, but, but let's talk about end of year. As you were talking about the end of year planning, and here we are coming up on the fourth quarter, what do you want small business owners to be thinking about? Like, how do you want them to think about the end of the year? So prior to December, I believe it's really important to go through and make sure your accounting is in order. You know exactly what's happened to when in your business year to date. Then you need to set an appointment with your tax preparer and talk through it. Talk through your net profit. How much did you take in wages? It should you have been an S corp this year? Maybe you need to apply to be an S corp and do a payroll at the end of the year. That's going to help your situation. 
These are things that you, you can't do later. It's going to be too late after the end of the year to do any of that. Yeah. So, if you want to set up retirement accounts or something like that, many of them have to be set up uh, by the 31st. Some have to be set up a little bit earlier. And if you're going to hire one of these companies, they're going to do it uh, at some major level, 401k or safe harbor or profit sharing uh, or, or defined benefit plan. I mean, they probably need two, three, four weeks to get the work done. And so, you know, you're, you're going you're gonna to want to make sure you get that done far enough advance so it can happen before. So when we say end of the year, you know, beginning of December is the latest, I think you should be meeting with your teams uh, to make sure you get anywhere because, you, you know, I used to do it. Well, I'll just meet with them at like at the 20th of December. And they, I, they'd ask me to, they tell me to do like six things and three of them, like we just could never get done by the end of the year because I waited too long uh, to meet with them. I mean, that's how I learned that I, I need to be having these meetings in October and November and, and, and saying, look, I, we've made this much money on the course of the year and we, I expect we're going to make wine much amount of money for the balance of the year. And so what can we do to, you know, defer taxes, reduce tax liability? Are there any purchases we can make? Uh, are the, you know, is there anything we should be able to do about, you know, when we move to an S corp or structuring things? Uh, should I be taking additional payrolls? Uh, have my payrolls been maxed out correctly so that when I do take my uh, safe harbor or profit share or uh, employer benefit plan, that I um, that I can actually maximize the deduction or the, the amount of money for both Maria and myself? Is there anything else we can be doing uh, for my kids or my family that we aren't already doing through the business that we should be maximizing? I mean, you know, as you make more money, as you become more successful as a business owner, it comes with a set of challenges and, and, and it has a certain amount of work that has to be done. And so I think what you're saying is, you know, superstar clients, they get this stuff in line by the end of the year, right? They don't wait until April when they're going, oh, well, now what do I do, right? Right. And if your books are a mess, there's nothing a tax preparer is going to be able to help you with. I mean, they can do their best. It's kind of like garbage in, garbage out, right? If they get garbage, they can't give you good advice. And, you know, if you're talking about maybe setting up a 401k because you don't have one yet, you might be too late. Those have to be set up in October usually. Yeah. So, you know, this is stuff you guys would want to get on right now. Yep. There are, there are things that have really, really hard deadlines. I mean, you need to talk to your, you need to talk to your financial planners and people that can do this for you. I mean, there's, they've made it easier to do it. I mean, I think you can even go to Capital One and set up 401ks and things like that. It's not that hard uh, these days with the way the internet has made banking so much simpler. But point is that these are things that need to happen now. Now, if you're on the other side of the fence and you're going, well, I really don't have that much profit. You know, I don't, I don't have a problem. I'm, not, I'm worried about just having enough cash. Uh, you know, then, well, then I highly suggest we've got other problems in the business. So, so either, you know, we, we don't have enough clients. And the reason we don't have enough clients is because we either don't have enough leads, we don't have enough appointments, we don't have enough people showing up, we don't have enough people re retaining the firm. Or the clients that we have aren't paying the right fee, or, or they're, they're paying the right fee, but they're not paying their bill, or both. Uh, and, and so this is why we don't have enough profit or uh, our expenses are too high and we're mismanaging our team and we're not operating at the highest levels of efficiency. And so the profit's being sucked away. And so, you know, if you're at that other side of the camp, oh, this is a great conversation, Rich, but I don't have any profit to plan for. Well, we have another issue at hand. Now, by the way, it could be that you're in a macroeconomic situation. What if you're a bankruptcy firm that you know, in your town, uh, whatever, you, you, you were already the top filer and you're being hammered because the market just isn't there. And you attempted to geographically expand your reach to the state that you're in uh, and you've done your best, but inside your practice area, you still can't make up the ground that you lost. You know, I, I can't tell you when bankruptcy is going to come back. I, I don't know. I, I would have told you, uh, if you, somebody would have told me this is what was going to happen, you know, when the pandemic started, I would have told you that you were crazy. Uh, but the reality is, is that with with home prices where they are and and where the way the economy is today, you know, I don't know when bankruptcy is going to come back at its full range. But the good news is, you you happen to be a business or pardon me, you are a business owner that happens to have chosen law as a business. So you have a you have a business license to be able to go and do other practices of law that you can build inside of your current business that you can augment your revenue. Uh, and if you don't want to do that and, and, you, and you don't want to be able to grow into another practice area, uh, then you've, your job is to make sure that your current practice area is profitable. 
uh, and usually there's an overhead that you have to whittle down to ensure that it is profitable. That is your number one responsibility. But aside from that, assuming you do have profit and you, you are managing things and things are moving in the right direction, putting together the streamlined and customized system that works, making sure you're having monthly meetings with your bookkeeper and teams that make sense to, so they can guide you as things are actually happening, not trying to do things in reverse and before they're too late. Proactively communicate as you set up new accounts or take loans or buy cars or set up a new credit card or whatever it is. Make sure that your, te your team, your bookkeeper is set up uh, uh, to be able to see what's going on in these accounts so they can make sure all the transactions are taken care of. Put away Profit First money in advance. If you don't know what we're talking about, read the book by Mike McCallich, Profit First. If you're a member, go to the book study on Partners Club Dashboard and grab uh, uh, the book study that we did on Profit First or listen to the presentation that Mike gave at Partners Club. Proactively put away tax money and, and payroll money and, and things of that nature so that you have it when, it when it's actually needed. Manage your independent contractors correctly. Minimize your penalties by making sure that you're online with paying all of your payroll taxes and your uh, your government entities and your insurances and everything else that you need to make sure that you have in order uh, to ensure you don't pay penalties on it. Why waste silly money? Hire experts that can give you advice, but then take the advice. Don't go off on your own and, and decide that, you know, I, I heard what they said, but I'm going to do something else anyway. I mean, they, they you paid them for a reason. They probably know what they're doing. I can't speak to everybody you hire as an expert, but you know, I know the two that are on this call right now, <laughs> Annette and myself, uh, we've been around the block. We know what we're doing. So if, if you ask us for advice and we give it to you, take it. Um, end of your planning, actually sit down and, and plan for the next year accordingly. Get all of your ducks in a row. Make sure your accounting system and structure is in, in order so that when you get to April and you have to file your taxes, that your CPA can actually give you really good advice because they've got not garbage in, they've got good, clean numbers to work with. And then, and then build a dream team. You know, have somebody like uh, a Nets team on your team, making sure the bookkeepers, uh, all the bookkeeping is done correctly. And you can meet with them proactively about regular business decisions and have an accounting team and, and have le legal counsel. Even if you're a lawyer, have legal counsel where it makes sense for different things, decisions that you have to make and have your business strategy coach and consultants like we have here at Partners Club and have a peer group where you can mastermind with so you can get the right advice. And then actually put all of these folks to use uh, but but also make sure that you have the right vendors from a team mentality that's going to actually be able to get the work done, like Annette's team, that's actually be able to do the work. That's massive, having a, a team, a vendor that can actually do the work and not just give the advice is huge. So uh, we're, we're coming to the end, but Annette, uh, what else would you want to share if there's anything we didn't cover, parting words with them as we go towards the end of the years or looking about their accounting systems? Yeah, the only other thing I would add is, and we did talk about it a little bit, is the, the accountability piece that, you know, as business owners, you have to get with those advisors, you have to provide information. For us, we can, we're only as helpful as the information that we receive. So being accountable, responding to those requests for information is really, really important. Also, I, um, I do provide a 30-minute free consultation. And so if you want to you know, look at what this kind of a service could do for your business. I'm happy to talk to you about it. Even if it's not us, I can just kind of give you an idea of how it usually works. And then you can go and research that. Yeah, I just put the link in there, calendly.com forward slash Sonnenberg Consulting. It's also up on the screen, calendly.com forward slash Sonnenberg Consulting. You can either schedule an appointment with Annette. You can email Annette if for whatever reason the calendar doesn't work or you don't, are not ready to schedule an appointment. You can give them a holler at the office at 801-984-3805 and you can talk to them about uh, how to help, how they can help you get your ducks in a row so you can go into 2022 uh, with the right way. Annette, thank you for your time today. I hope you enjoyed it as much as I did. We covered the top 10 things superstar small business owners that happen on a law firm do. Uh, and I appreciate your insight and your wisdom. And I, and I hope you found this somewhat enjoyable. Yeah, great. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. You're welcome. All right, everybody. Thanks so much for your time today. Uh, thanks for participating in the chat. Uh, and we will, for those of you that I'm going to see in Partners Club, I will see you next week. For those of you that are in Freedom Group, I will see you on Thursday. Talk to you again soon.
I hope you enjoyed today's episode. I hope you learned something about a system that you could put into your law firm so you can build that law firm that supports your lifestyle rather than undermine your lifestyle. I hope that you feel like you're part of our community we call Entrepreneurial Attorney Nation. If you'd like to learn more about what we do around here, the best way to get started is to go ahead and go to our website, therichardjames.com. That's therichardjames.com and request a free copy of one of our books so that you can take the next step in learning how we can help you build your practice better one system at a time.